this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm the host, Andy. Uh, I something in a microwave and i'm evan i'm having sex in the library wink wink nudge nudge and i'm ronnie if you can tell by those introductions ending pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season we're currently covering netflix's i'm not okay with this but before we get into that i have a bit for us I'm ready to receive the bit. I'm primed. What's the bit? Uh, the bit is that I don't have one. Oh. Yep. That's okay. Yep. I I was working really hard to try and come up with a bit, and it, it just, nothing, nothing materialized. Hmm. Uh. What's the best fan fiction you've ever read? I, I just spontaneously, I've been dealing with some fan fiction related queries lately, so. Mm. I think the only fan fiction I've ever read. It was definitely some Harry Potter fan fiction. It was something defi- like 50% of all the fan fiction that exists is Harry Potter. Sure, fan fair, valid. I also was. Yeah. This is this was a point. This is oof, oofa doofa. Do I want to reveal this? Um, this, this was a point in my life that I was big in the AOL chat rooms in Harry Potter role-playing. Oh. Um, Yeah, so, so, you know, fanfic and and discovering fanfic was just the next logical step. I was doing theater, and they were doing literature, so, you know, we ran in the same circles, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, uh, uh, Harry Draco... I don't know if it was slash, but it was definitely like they were they were friends and I didn't finish it. So maybe maybe enemies to friends, friends to lovers uh, on that path. But it was at the at the Quidditch World Cup. And uh, that's that's all I've got. That's literally the best and worst fanfic I've ever read. <laughs> it, 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 it involved it involved handheld. It was definitely going for enemies to lovers uh, because that's what they all did. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like. like it- Dudley was involved somehow, and Dudley oh, and no. Draco were, were there. I don't know. It, it oh. also may have been a crazy fever dream that I had while falling asleep at my family's computer while uh, Harry Potter role-playing. Andy. Um, <laughs> so the fan fiction that probably affected me the most was um, there were two fanfic writers that wrote, like, really extensive, like, interconnected fix. Not together, but their own kind of separate things. Um, one was, like, Harry Potter, but uh, they, like, were non-binary. And, like, figuring out gender stuff, and, like, non the word non-binary did not exist at the time. But, like that whole thing. And that like probably had a pretty big impact on me. It's kind of funny looking back now, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. probably how Rowling became a turf. She just read too many people queering up her transing up her Harry Potter universe. Um, and then the other one was like Marauders era fanfic stuff. And there was a lot about like Lily and James and Sirius and Ramus and, uh, you know, here for, for gay Sirius and Ramus Lupin content. Uh, at a young age. Um, the best fanfic I ever read though, is probably like the last one I read that I got really excited about was around the time of like force awakens fandom was, was awesome for fan fiction. And, uh, I read a really just slutty graphic (laughs) sexual fic about Hux and Kylo as uh, college Republicans at like uh, (laughs) university Um, and uh, Ray was like I don't know like a a women's 
uh, lit major or something, and uh, Finn and Poe were, were were there and dating, but um, yeah, Hux and Kylo were just having dirty college Republican sex all the time, and Grand Moff Tarkin was president, and uh, it was it was a whole it was a whole thing. It was it was great. Highly Goodness recommend. Gracious. You will probably learn some things about me if you read it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great. Sounds very good. Disney only gave us those two women briefly kissing in the background, but that fanfic writer gave me all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Disney's a, a fool and a coward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Daddy Disney. Um... It's like sort of sad and unfortunate to to admit this now, but uh, I was very into Sherlock for a long time, uh, and there were a lot of genuinely quite good fan fictions written about Sherlock. There were a lot of bad ones, but there were a lot of genuinely very good fan fictions written about Sherlock. I remember there was one that was like a medieval AU. That was quite good. It was well-written. I don't know if it was ever finished, but I really enjoyed that. I was following that for a while. Uh, the best fan fiction that I've read in the modern era was... Uh, it's a Dragon Age fan fiction. It remains unfinished, uh, but it was still good enough that I was, like, following it, waiting for updates as recently as several years ago. It's called Bellus at Bestia, and which, I think that's Latin. And uh, it's it's a Dorian Iron Bowl fanfic that takes place on Saharan, and it's, like, vaguely distantly inspired by Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Love that. Yeah. I want to read that now. That sounds great. Have you not read it? Have I not recommended it to you before? No. No. They should send it my way. Yeah, I will. Um, yeah, it has nothing to do with the uh, episode or anything. Sorry I didn't tie it in, but that do, was just what was on my brain. Do they fuck a lot in it? Uh, no, they don't have sex at all in it. What? Okay. Ooh. I'll still check it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not just here for the horny fanfic <laughs> stuff. Look, I love me a horny fan fiction. I love it, but um, I am more horny for good writing and storytelling than I am for horny fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preach. If only we could have both. It's a so seldom intersect. Yeah. It's a real shame. <laughs> it's uh, is that 50, 50 Shades? That's a fanfic, right? That's that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> We don't we don't talk about that. That's <laughs> whether we don't that claim can be that is part of the genre. I mean, look, it is. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage the person who wrote that. I actually admire her for uh, for getting that paycheck. Honestly, like, yeah, go get it, get that money, make make money. But um, yeah, it's just it's just very weird that that's the one that that broke into the mainstream. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I realize as I'm saying this, like, so, so let me say it and then I'll, then I'll caveat it. Uh, you may have seen the two of you may have seen on, on Twitter that, uh, whoever runs the ending bending Twitter account, uh, set a challenge for y'all to, uh, cosplay as Theseus and Asterius, uh, Theseus and the, and the Minotaur from, uh, Oh from yeah. Hades. I, I saw that, post and i was like i'm incapable of responding to this in a way that isn't horny in some yeah, kind of way so sure, i'm just gonna refrain fair, valid yeah um it was i mean a hundred percent just like this is basically just <laughs> dorian and uh and uh iron bull cosplay they could, uh -huh. they could probably do this easily it's quarantine you know i don't want to put too much pressure on challenges and stuff but that being said uh if anyone out there has good hades fanfic that they want to send my way, I am all here for it. My caveat is that might just be Greek mythology. I think Greek mythology is. Yeah. Just, I'm sure there is oh, Greek mythology fanfic. Man, um, I bet I bet there is good Hades fanfic. I, I haven't. Bet, I mean, the art, yeah. the art community is so good. I'm sure that the writing community is mm -hmm. is, is really rallied around it too. I wonder if there's good crit roll fanfic out there. That is not something I have investigated. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure there is. 
I have read a, a good crit roll fan fiction recently. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, I'll I'll send that to you also. Um, yeah. So so that's that's we're in the market, I guess, is what I'm saying. So yeah. send us send, send us, us your your Hades and and crit roll and and hell even your Sherlock fan fiction. No, uh, I'll take I'll take a look. No, don't. Don't. <laughs> I'll read it out loud on Patreon. I, I th- so, uh, my relationship with Sherlock is very, very weird in that um, I was very into Sherlock. I was like fully in the fandom. I was really fixated. I was, I was a hyper fixated fan. And then one day I just decided I wasn't into Sherlock anymore. And I never thought about it again until moments like this randomly. Um, And that happened when I think it was season three came out. I watched the first episode of season three and I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't very good actually. And then I just didn't finish the rest of season three. I never watched another episode of Sherlock again. I just never like, and I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I wasn't disappointed. I really didn't have any feelings about it whatsoever is the weird thing. I watched it and I was just like, this evokes nothing in me. And then I just never watched Sherlock again. Fickle lover you are. Yeah, I guess. Gracious. I'm over here still waiting for that secret episode to drop. Mm-hmm. Fixes everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> If you want to know about Sherlock, watch some Sarah Zed videos. Sarah Zed on uh, um, YouTube. It's pronounced Zed because she's from Canada, but it's the letter Z. Um, she's a, a fandom scholar. Yeah, she has a real good breakdown on the, the, the collapse, the supernova collapse of the Sherlock fandom. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, let's talk about this show. Let's talk about this show. We yeah, watched three about- episodes of it. We sure uh, did. Tell us about the show, Evan. All right. I will. Don't tell me what to do. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm a teen. Uh, <laughs> uh, episode three is called The Party's Over. Episode four called Stan by Me, like short for Stanley. You know, I like how people say Stan. They stan it. Uh, episode five is called Another Day in Paradise. Episode three, Sydney has had sex with Stan. Happened like between episodes, like we just saw the like cutaway in the last episode. And she tells Dina about it. And like, she's very clearly in love with Dina. Like we've known this since episode one. And she like kind of is like, haha, yeah, it was, it was great. That sex with men, it was great. Did they decide in that encounter to go to this party? They talk about the party. There's a party later on in the episode. Stan winds up at the party. Dina's boyfriend winds up at the party. But Sydney is sort of under the impression that like she and Dina are going together, not in a romantic way, just in a friend way. And she's like, yes, finally, I I'm get to just hang out with my friend, my friend who I'm in love with, who's just my friend. Uh, so they get ready at Dina's house and Dina convinces Sydney to wear kind of a like revealing top and they get to the party together. And for a while it's just them and they're having a great time and they're playing some beer pong and they're eating some pizza and they're hanging out together. And then, um, Dina's boyfriend kind of like edges in on the situation. And then Stan is also there. And, uh, Sydney clearly just wants to hang out with, with Dina, but then Stan, occupies her attention and Dina's jock boyfriend kind of occupies her attention. And then Stan asks Sydney out. Uh, Sydney's like hanging out by herself in the yard, basically. And Stan approaches her and asks her to go to homecoming with him. And she doesn't really intend to say yes, but because she doesn't, She's conflict averse and also she like kind of doesn't want to hurt his feelings. So she just like impulsively says yes. Then Dina and Brad get in some kind of fight and Dina's very, very upset about it. And Sydney like finds her in a bedroom and goes to comfort her. And 
Sydney in the moment like just feels like she should kiss Dina and so she does and Dina reacts negatively to it and Sydney's very upset and so she just kind of like plays it off like oh how we're super drunk uh, that didn't mean anything it's fine it's fine it's fine um immediately after she kissed Dina she uh like she runs away from the party I assume she just intends to walk home and she has one of her, like, psychic episodes and, like, knocks a bunch of trees over because she's very angry and upset. And uh, Stan has to be, happens to be driving past and witnesses it. And she tries to play it off like that didn't happen and the trees were already fallen over. And he was like, no, I definitely saw you knock down those trees. You definitely have superpowers. Uh, so in episode four... Uh, Stan takes it upon himself to be Sydney's like, X-Men mentor. Um, he's, like, trying to, to get her to, like, explore the extent of her powers and stuff. Um, she has a fight with her mom, because her mom is, like, basically expecting her to be a second mom, and they... They they get it they get in a fight about it. Like the mom is not responsive to Sydney's like needs as a teenager. And uh it's the mom's not a very good mom. Uh she's Liam, the the little brother, is like trying to defuse the situation and uh he he's like offering to like look after himself basically, but um yeah, the the mom is expecting a whole lot of Sydney who is going through a lot clearly, and the mom's like not interested in Sydney's problems. Um, Sydney also, uh, like almost uh, has a psychic. Ep I'm gonna call them psychic episodes because she like can't really control them, and she's worried she's gonna break stuff. Uh, she like is on the verge of a psychic episode at school and realizes that she needs to kind of, like, take Stan up, maybe, on trying to, like, help her figure out her Matilda powers. Um, so she meets him at the bowling alley he works at, and he, like, tries various things to, like, trigger her powers. He, like, asks her if she's been exposed to any toxic sludge, and he, like, tries to, like, Mr. Miyagi her to, like, concentrate on some popcorn and like nothing works until he um says some really terrible stuff and he like clearly doesn't think that he is hurting her at the time but he says some like really terrible stuff about her dad and it like makes her really angry and she uh like throws bowling balls at his head with her brain and um he's stoked about it and she understandably is furious that he would, like, use her emotional pain to try to, like, do a science experiment on her, basically. Um, so she, like, storms off and does not want to see Stan anymore. Um, episode five, Another Day in Paradise, uh, Dina's jock boyfriend is, uh, like, copying her test and they get caught and get detention and Sydney gets pissed off that uh Brad basically got Dina in trouble even though Dina's otherwise like a good student and yells at the teacher so she also gets detention Stan um <laughs> like <laughs> gets himself detention in the lamest way possible um so they're in detention with this like edgy punk girl who's just a real asshole and is really, really rude to Sydney. Um, so Sydney's mad about it. She goes down the hall to the library. Um, her brain powers like explode all the bookshelves and it's like on camera, like a security camera saw the whole thing. And so she decides that she has to get the security camera footage out of the principal's office, so she enlists 
uh, Stan and Dina to help her get the security footage back. They hatch a scheme. Uh, they put some burritos in a microwave. They get the keys from the gay janitor. And, um, it, like, in the in the process, in one of the steps, uh, Sydney overhears Brad talking to this punk girl that they're in detention with about how they slept together at the party where Dina and Brad had a fight. And Sydney, of course, because she hates Brad and likes her friend, immediately tells Dina about it. Dina breaks up with Brad. Brad is furious. Um, and, like, Brad has a vendetta against her now. He, like, later on, like, threatens her and is a real, just a real doucher about it. Um, and then, oh, they are successful in getting the security tape back. They, they, they their scheme kind of works. Anyway, it works well enough that they get the, the tape back. Um, and Sydney later tells Stan that, yeah, she, she knocked over the bookcases with her brain powers, but she's also convinced that there was someone else in the library with her, like making the lights flicker. Possibly also someone at like, she's, she's pretty convinced that there's someone else following her who also has brain powers or something like that, or some kind of ghost or, or something. And they're like obsessively. Oh wait, no, that's I, sorry. I watched a little bit into episode six. They're, <laughs> they're, they're not watching the security camera footage yet, but she's convinced that there was somebody else in the, in the library with her doing some kind of psychic something. And that, and that's it. That's it. That's all the shows that we watched. They pack a lot of shit into these little they short do. episodes. They do. Um, as far as these episodes go, uh, you know I gotta ask it. Uh, hey, Andy. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, these three episodes of Netflix's I Am Not Okay With This, uh, did they work for you? Uh, yeah, they did. It's a good show. I wanted to watch more, but I didn't because I'm a good <laughs> podcaster. Watch more by accident. It was an accident. Netflix doesn't show you the intros and the outros. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I know. I know you are. Very good. Very good show. Really like it. Really. I'm, I'll say more later, but yeah, real good. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, Evan. Yeah, Ronnie. Hey, Evan. Hey. Yeah, Andy. These three episodes. From the the distance. <laughs> I tried. Past? No, I don't know I mean, what you I wanted really, me to say after distance. Really, really what are y'all even talking past? about? What are, uh, did these, did Ronnie smell? These three episodes, they're from the distant past, and did they work for you, Evan? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, as evidenced by the fact that uh, I didn't turn it off when the episode ended. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize until far, far too late that I had continued watching more than I needed to. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are working for me. Very good. Very good. They're all working for all three of us, and two of us have uh, podcast integrity to only watch the media that we were supposed to. So, yeah, yeah, um, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into it. What worked for us about these three episodes? I I want to I want to kick us off. Mm-hmm. The portrayal of anger from is it Natina? I'm blanking on her. Sydney from Sydney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, from Sydney is something that I feel like we don't often see. In media from characters who are not like straight white men. Yeah. And uh, seeing it in a a character who is likely queer and is a woman is and like a young woman. Like I, I have not seen a teenage girl get to be this viscerally anger. It kind of reminded me a bit of Logan where uh, X-23 is just like 
murder, scream, rage, and like stabbing people. Uh, and like I remember seeing Logan and thinking like, "Wow, you don't often see that." Um, this is obviously a bit more grounded in that her uh, anger is not, you know. I guess she still has superpowers, but, uh, you know, she's in high school and stuff and angry about high school things. Uh, it, it fucking slaps. It's real good. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, so the superpowers straightforwardly are like a metaphor for her anger, for but sure. I feel like abstractly they are also a metaphor for one queerness and two mental illness. Mm-hmm. Because she feels like there's something wrong with her that she can't control. She's worried that it's going to hurt the people around her. Um, she's trying to, like, grapple with it and understand it, but also she can't tell anybody about it. And so, like, th- there's a lot of layers to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. There's def- It feels genuinely dangerous, but also, like... She, at moments, seems to sort of be into it. Like, she she uh, has moments where she's like, wow, maybe I could use this to do something. Or, like, maybe I, maybe I can use this to control my situation. Maybe it's good that I can make this guy's nose bleed, you know? And her trying to rationalize it away of, like, oh, that was just a coincidence. That was a coincidence yes. that the wall broke. Or, like... I didn't really make his nose bleed. That was that was something else. Or, I mean, what what queer person has not pulled that of like trying to rationalize mm-hmm. their their dawning realization until it just gets heavier and heavier and they can't rationalize it away anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I, oh. I, I I even like you know the the idea that you know if this is a metaphor for, you know, taking it to the mental illness route, how, you know, lots of people in the show are experiencing extreme bouts of anger. And, you know, from the from Brad to uh, Sid's mom to Stan's dad, um, you know, there's a lot of people the, the teachers are all just like flustered and furious the entire time. Like there are a lot of people that are clearly battling some anger issues. but Sydney, this teen queer girl is the one where it's like, no, you have to manage this because it's out of, it's not, it's, I am not okay with this. Like it's, it's, you have to figure this out and deal with this. Everyone else is kind of, kind of just roll along with it. And as Dan says in, in the early episodes, you know, it'll just play on and play on until, you know, they die. Their lives aren't going to change much, but Sydney, you specifically, you, we expect to do something about this because it is, out of control and dangerous specifically for you. I think there's a, a good metaphor there for, for the, the, the burden we put on, on young women um, in society to, to, uh, you know, control themselves and don't expect the same from their uh, masculine counterparts. Yeah. Everyone else is allowed to be angry. Right. But when you're angry, it's a problem for you right. specifically. And, and even Brad uh, shouting at her that you hurt Dina. This is right. your fault. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, I'm pretty sure it was you, my guy. Yeah. Uh, but he is uh, attractive and straight and white mm-hmm. and uh, has a Letterman jacket. So yeah. nothing is his fault ever. Um, Liam is still great. Uh, that's Sid's little brother. Mm hmm. He's apparently like a master uh, concoction chef. Makes like these uh, dinners that just are, are sound disgusting, but are actually very tasty. Yeah, well, I guess, apparently that was the first time he'd tried that because sure. they had a like conversation about it. And she was like, this is actually pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. what? Why? Why have you never cooked before? And why of all things did you decide to do this? And he He seems to be good at conceptualizing things. Yeah. Uh, He's he's very cerebral. It's funny because as he was describing the ingredients, I was like, "Eh, that that actually doesn't sound too bad. Like Mm -hmm. the soy sauce and the ham and the breadcrumbs or whatever he put in it. Syrup and fish sticks. (laughs) 
it goes some places, but I'll, I'll trust yeah. the show that this was good in this world. I love Stan. Stan's great. Stan's trying so the, hard. The scene where Stan is kind of like dancing around and practicing his line and like trying to pump himself up. It is very easy for that to be cheesy. Is it Risky Business where Tom Cruise does that kind of famous yeah, dance? Yeah, so. It, it, it's so easy for things to like ape that and not do it well and come off as like too corny, but like, no, it works. Like stands, stands awesome. Stands the man. And mm-hmm. <laughs> when he like finally like chooses an outfit and walks out the door and his dad goes, you look like a faggot. It's just like, I'm sure we're not supposed to laugh, but I laughed. Um, It's it's truly, truly a a relatable moment in a very sad way. It's weird that and I'm sure this was intentional, but like it is impossible to place what year this show is happening in Mm -hmm. because there are moments like Stan, like having the run of his basement and like drinking alcohol and smoking weed and i know this is because his dad is like a long-haul trucker or whatever but he's got like a bar down that he's got like a whole he's got shakers and shit and he has his own bathroom in the basement and and he stan dresses like it's the 70s yes yeah he dresses like he's in napoleon dynamite and it's supposed Uh, to be vintage but it could be the 80s or 90s or Yeah, I mean, but there's times when I'm not sure if it is because like they have cell phones, but then in times when you would think that normal people would be on their cell phones, the cell phones are nowhere to be seen. Like in the detention scene after the principal tells them to scrape gum off the bleachers, which is another like extremely 80s detention thing, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like y'all have to sit in here alone and scrape gum off the bleachers as your punishment. Um none of them take out their phones and start like playing candy crush or whatever, which is what anyone would do in the year 2020. Um, it, it feels like a Ryan Johnson movie where like brick or brothers bloom, like who knows when those movies took place. Like there's modern cars in brothers bloom, but like you never see a cell phone and no one dresses like it's current day. Yeah. Also like the uniform that, uh, Sydney's mom has for her job at the diner is yeah. like extremely vintage looking. It's mm-hmm. and it's not like a themed diner. You know, it's not like a 50s diner. So I think there's there's some element to it being like a rural Pennsylvania town where it is kind of lost in time. It is mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, they have cameras in the library and that's all stored on like a US they're looking for it they literally say they're looking for a tape but then they get there and it is just like a USB memory stick because of course it would be um so they've got like the technology but as far as like fashions and like appropriate wallpaper or carpeting or or uniforms like it is very much like yeah we're not going to like change what's not broken here in Potts Grove or wherever this takes place yeah, I don't think that like totally explains it away, but no, I'm not No, certainly not. I'm not critiquing that. I actually think it's an interesting element of the show and it's clearly deliberate. Like they mm-hmm. clearly decided like, all right, the story here in this scene is best served by this being set in the 90s and they don't have cell phones. Like mm-hmm. it's nobody ever says that. But the sort of archetypal scene that they are paying homage to wouldn't have cell phones in it. And so mm-hmm. this is a scene where that's just not a thing anymore. That doesn't exist in the universe right now at this moment. That is very interesting to bring up, like the idea of like the homage, like, because I, I you know, of course, the the detention scene, as you said, is a very 80s detention. It's just a trope. It is just we need these people to be together in this place so that like this, 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 and this plot point can kick off. Um, but so much of this show is like very, very like, uh, of course there's, you know, every, every show uses like similar story beats to get to the plot point, but 
this one definitely feels like it is hearkening back to, you know, uh, specific scenes, whether it's party scenes, whether it is scenes in a diner, like, um, or, or, or in an old bowling alley. Like it definitely feels like it is, you know, paying homage to these, these things that are very, very reminiscent, very familiar, but with, you know, actors and, and, and actresses that are, that are, you know, that are just dealing with very clearly modern problems and probably problems that were being dealt with back then, but we're not, you know, getting on leave it to beaver and, and the Brady bunch and stuff like that. I don't think we talked about Dina much last episode, but Dina is great. Actress is doing a, a stand up mm-hmm. job and I'm very invested mm-hmm. in where this character is going. Uh, Brad sucks. Brad sucks. Mm-hmm. Actor is doing a good job with Brad as well because yeah. I want to punch him in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. New new girl is interesting. Um, new new girl is is a little tropey for for my yeah. taste. New girl the fact- was there as a plot device. Like new yes. girl was just there to be like the the edgy one. Right. Well, they needed to round out their Breakfast Club. Yeah. You know, cast. And so they brought in the flake and mm-hmm. she was a lot. Yeah. Just a whole lot. It's uh, also very tropey to like, oh, we're all in detention. Like I, I was watching a, an episode of Dawson's Creek with this exact theme of like, we're in detention and ooh, this girl's really bad and she's been to prison. What's she going to do? And it's like in the Dawson's Creek episode, it's like, let's play truth or dare. And it's like, that stakes are a little low there. And this is like, let's play fuck, marry, kill. And it's like, I I mean, that's not like, that's not that bad. Like, like if you're going to come in here, like gunslinging is like the real bad girl. And this is what you bring to the table. It's like, eh, I understand it was a way for her just to like bully uh, the people in the room. But it was it was a little like anticlimactic as to what this this like spitfire was bringing to the table. Yeah, well, she's, um, I guess she's, like, she's, she's, as we've mentioned before, more of an archetype than a character. Yeah. So it kind of doesn't matter. And it's also, like, it seems weirdly, like, what an adult would think that a cool teen does, but it doesn't, it feels like they're doing it on purpose. It feels like it's, like. Sure. A, sort of a quadruple, like, lampshading, you know, because <laughs> they're know like, you. yeah, this this character's the cool girl, but she's actually uncool. But she's actually uncool because <laughs> uncool adults wrote her into this show, and we're the uncool adults, and we're being uncool on purpose, writing this uncool cool girl into this show. <laughs> Which is very cool. Yeah. Very cool of us, don't you think? I did like uh, Dina, Stan, and Sydney like bonding though. That was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, the heist. Yeah, the heist was fun. fun. I, I did uh, reminded I did me of like... perfect score. Anyone? Uh, that is Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson as high schoolers who have oh. to steal the answers to the SAT. And it is a like full on heist movie where they got to get like the brains and the getaway driver and like the face. Uh, but it's all high school students and the stakes are actually really low. That's fun. Yeah. The perfect score. Um, speaking to what Evan said earlier about how they jam pack so much in these episodes. Episode five, my note started out that like the detention scene was like too tropey for me. It, it, it felt out of place. It felt like like, why are we here? But then it goes right into a heist. And I was like, oh, no, this episode is actually very good. There's a, there is a lot going on here. And it turns out it's actually good. Yeah, I also thought I, I, I don't think we've had a bad episode yet, to be honest with you. No. Um, but yeah, that one. What I liked was that the heist was so slow paced. Mm hmm. Like they had 20 minutes because the janitor was like, yeah, just bring me my keys back in like 20 minutes. 
And then they were like, yeah, we'll distract him with a burrito. And <laughs> yeah, like, th- and there was just like moments where they were just sitting around between the steps of the heist. And like, they smoked weed at one point. It yeah. just felt like in the same, in the same school where they had to go through all these hoops to get a, a uh, camera footage back from the library, they were able to just be like, all right, let's just kick it against these lockers in the hallway and, and smoke a J. And that's fine. There's, that, well, I, in I do, this, I do in, like that. I do like not having to explain that away. In this scene, it's, you know, the 90s, and they don't have security cameras right, in right, the hall. Right, in the previous right. scene, it was the 2000s, <laughs> and they had a camera, and this is a technology they have to worry about. But Sid's powers also uh, include a bit of uh, Wanda Maximoff's uh, uh, decade-spanning uh, abilities from WandaVision. It's very complicated. Uh, I like the janitor. That was fun. Janitor was fun. Dina uh, tries to like sexy chat up the janitor for his keys. And he's like, look, like I find this offensive because like you are treating yourself this way. And also I'm gay. And like, if you just want to borrow the keys, I don't really fucking care. It's very good. Mm-hmm. 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 I w- I'm, I'm glad. I mean, there's only so many places they could have gone with that. I'm glad they went that direction because the, the setting up of this was like, ooh, no, uncomfortable. Ooh, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to not resolve that in a creepy way was to resolve it exactly the way they resolved it. I mean, he could have just been like a good dude and been like, no, right. like I'm a responsible adult straight man and you are a child. Like, absolutely, this is inappropriate and not okay. Um, him just being like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gay and like this is the farthest thing from what I want also worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's representation, you know? It's how you get it in there. Um the just this this is just was like probably my favorite part of the whole three episodes was uh when, when they all get detention when when um Dina and Brad and then Sid and then uh Stan get detention. Um Sid is, you know, yelling at the teacher for this and, and says that this is bullshit. And and, you know, he says you could take that mouth right to detention. Anybody else want to say anything? And Stan stands up. And just silently just like throws his books onto the ground and is still not getting the reaction that he wants and just shouts, motherfucker. <laughs> it <was just laughs> the full, it's like. It, it's beautiful. He's also it's, that was so well acted also because yes. he was like uncertain. He was like, yeah. motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like he had never said so that good. word before in his goddamn life. And oh, it was it was very good. Stan is very good. He's a good, good boy. And the teacher's reaction to it was good. Also, he was yeah. like, yeah, OK, you get detention <laughs> too. sit down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. As you as you uh, kind of pointed at in the um, in the uh, synopsis, Evan, Sid's mom, they're, they're tr- I feel like they're kind of trying to build sympathy for Sid's mom a little bit. I, I don't got it. I don't I don't I can't find it. The sympathy for Sid's mom um, and, and, and the, the kind of the bullshit she is putting Sydney through. Um, I do. I have sympathy for Sydney's mom in the abstract sense i understand that she also is coping with a lot like her husband committed suicide and she's the sole provider for her two children and the only job she has is working at a diner and Mm -hmm. like i'm sure that she is uh like fucking suffering in not exactly the same way that sydney is suffering but in certainly a, a her suffering is certainly of comparable magnitude, but, um, yeah, it's really hard to watch her just like dismiss Sydney's needs the way she keeps doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not excusing her behavior. I'm just right, like, right. like in the abstract, I get it. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like the show's doing what it needs to do with that. It, it is like, I mean, it is, you know, very, tricky because we as we said we see lots of people in the show who are experiencing some level of um 
you know, just not able to deal with what is going on in the world. Uh, and we see, except for the guidance counselor in the beginning prescribing a journal, we see no like counseling. We see nothing like that. And it's like, boy, howdy, this woman needs a grief counselor or, or ongoing therapy to, to deal with this and not take it out on Sydney. But, you know, she is a single mother in a rural town where the only job she can get is at a diner. And like, there's, you know, a very, uh, there's a big social uh, issue there. And, and it, it you know, it, the show is, is, I think you're right. The show is, is kind of doing its best with what it's got. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know that we're going to get super in depth to the, you know, the wealth economy of this, this small town, but there's, there are a lot of layers to it, but yeah. And we are like necessarily we're focused on the, the teens here. Mm -hmm. There are, Mm -hmm. are, uh, focal point characters and uh i think i think they're really doing a pretty good job of making it clear to us that the mom is going through some shit and that's why she's behaving this way but also not excusing her behavior and also Mm -hmm. continuing to frame it through sydney's perspective because we're seeing on a daily basis what sydney's going through and we're hearing her experiences in her own words and we're not getting that from her mom so People yeah. have layers, and uh, I can think the mom sucks and also fully recognize that it seems like she got dealt a real shitty hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can still think she sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else for positives? Because I have one, one kind of negative that I want to I talk about for a second. Um... There's probably lots more. This is a very good show. Yeah. I love the, that they have just a tiny little dinky 10-lane bowling alley in town, and that's just, like, something that can stay open. I like the consistency between episodes of, like, Stan's car is still, yeah, like, fucked up and, and stuff like that. I don't know. There's a lot of really good shit in this show. Um, Like, Stan's wardrobe. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan's reaction to um, Sid talking about how she kissed someone else was like really handled well. Like you could tell he was like hurt by it, but he also like like was very mature about it. Kind of like laughed it off with a joke, and then was just like there for his friend. Mm-hmm. Good show, y'all. It's a real good show. Good show. It's a good show. The powers um, are cool. Powers they're, are very cool. There's like a spooky ghost men. There's it's spooky. That's a thing yeah, that I'm very so excited for because we did it. We, we it's 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 rare that we get a show that like ticks this many boxes. But there, this is a yeah. spooky show. It, the tone is definitely getting darker as the episodes go on. We're we're definitely like there's a there's a sense of foreboding. Whereas for, at first it was just like everything kind of sucked and it was just kind of a bummer and uh, something weird was happening. Now it's like now I'm genuinely scared that somebody's gonna die. I said uh, mm-hmm. last episode that I think her being covered in blood in the like framing scene is a fake out and it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, fucking jello or I, I don't know. Um, I'm becoming less sure that it's a fake out though. Mm-hmm. And that's a fun journey to be on. Oh, she definitely exploded someone. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to entertain that as a possibility. Now I feel like the show is getting dark and serious enough that. Yeah. I mean, she, as she points out when she, psychically throws bowling balls at Stan like she could have killed him with those bowling balls she she is very like even outside of being able to throw blunt objects she's very aware of just ending somebody she she clears out you know the 40 yards circle in the forest just Mm -hmm. by screaming she can end somebody and we know that Brad is probably planning on upping the the high school trauma for her a little bit based on this past episode. So 
I I will say this as a as a big compliment that uh it it does feel like an X-Men story. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like an X-Men villain origin story. Sure. But there is the when X-Men is being written well, there is the societal fear of mutants are othered and I don't want to be othered. Therefore, I don't want to be a mutant. There is the fear of I don't want to be a mutant because I don't want the responsibility of almost hurting someone with my powers and having to learn how to control them. And then there is the queer allegory. And this is just like hitting those boxes like Mm -hmm. really, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a shame that we got like nine movies about Wolverine and <laughs> we never got something like this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, fa- the, the relationship between Sydney and Stan, as we've said, is, is like a mature relationship for what it is, um, where it started out just Stan wanting to, you know, have sex with Sydney or, you know, make a friend, but also then have sex with that friend. Um, and now it's like become something much bigger in a very short amount of time, like credit to the show. I like how there have been a couple of times where Sid has like needed Stan after she has kind of like shut him out for very legitimate reasons. Like whether it is, you know, because, he, as you said, Evan used used her like trauma as a science experiment on her, or uh, you know the other ways that that she uh, is is like avoiding him for like legitimate reasons. And the show does not like when she needs him. The show is not making her like beg for forgiveness or anything, or even say sorry. Like it is like no, and you you fucked up in this case, but I need you. Like like let's do this thing. Like you can make this up to me. It, it doesn't have to say that and it doesn't make her this like the subservient one in the situation which i think a lot of shows would um and and i i I appreciate that what i didn't appreciate unfortunate not unfortunately but the the stan's dad thing hit me a little harder than i expected it to it gave me a very visceral uh, reaction. Um, we we knew nothing about Stan's dad other than he was rarely home. We didn't know that he was a shithead. Um, surprise, he's a shithead. Um, and we we talked about last week how this was was a different world and slightly more realistic for some people. That like the um, you know then everything sucks. Everything sucks had like great adults and super supportive adults. And it was, it was just, it was, you know, the kids having their coming of age tales being supported, even though they didn't really know how supported they were being. Um, and this show just does not have a good adult within spitting range. And like, that's fine. If your show is the breakfast club, where like, it's a bunch of kids together who like are, you know, cooperative and, and like, not shitheads, but like also most of the kids are shitheads too. It's, it's a little bit grating. I could have used some kind of reprieve. Uh, I did like having, uh, Dina Stan and, and, and Sid all working together. That did feel like, a, you know, something that was working up to and finally happened, but I would have really, really much more appreciated, even though it was very real, even though it was very relatable. If Stan's dad was like, a cool like even if he was like a like a deadbeat dad but a cool dad um that would have you know been a little bit more interesting to me than just another nameless faceless shithead adult in this town that gave me real bad trauma feels i will say that i i felt like it informed us a ton about who stanley is but that one word sure like his speech in the earlier episodes about like these people in this town, like they've peaked, they're never going to leave. They Mm -hmm. all suck. This is the best thing for them. Kind of felt like an over the top kind of poetic waxing from a kid who hasn't really experienced anything. But Mm -hmm. then we see his dad in that one, he gets one line of dialogue and it's like, Oh no, 
he yeah. recognizes his father in Brad the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly that in 20 years, Brad the quarterback will be exactly who his dad is. And that's why he's able to like, you know, say this because he he sees it through the time machine that is mm-hmm. his father. Right. And uh, so I do think it, it told us some stuff. That being said, your feelings are completely right that mm-hmm. like, yeah, every adult in this show, except for the, the, the gay janitor, is <laughs> a, a, as a trash bag human. And it is uh, exhausting. And mm-hmm. uh, going from Stan being really excited about his date and trying on clothes and like feeling good about himself and then immediately being shot down like that. Right. Which super I do think, relatable. I do think plot wise, it does serve that purpose of like Stan is like on cloud nine. And then there's this parent figure in his life like, hey, don't get big for your britches. Like you're still in podunk like you're still nobody in nowhere and you're not as cool as you think you are uh i think that could have been done a different way but to your point like it definitely makes sense for what stan's character has been to this point um i i love too that he fires back he's like you don't need to be an asshole dad and then he just leaves and mm-hmm. like yeah cis men showing any sort of interest in fashion or their appearance is uh still in 2021 not 20 part two not not like okay and is still mm-hmm. othered like we've gotten past the like need to uh, for, for people to label themselves metrosexuals which remember when we had to create a whole new sexual category for men who washed their hair but were straight and needed yeah. you to know that they were straight yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh boy um like that's that's still an issue, and uh, yeah, I do like. I feel like the show was saying something there. Could they have done it without dropping the F slur? Probably. Could they have done it in a way that didn't have every adult be a garbage human? <laughs> Probably, but yeah, I. I I'm not at all disagreeing with you. I am. No, no. I am I, saying I, that. Uh, I think in the world of the show, it's certain. I mean, the fact that Sid feels the way that Sid does in this world, it makes sense that the one person who is an adult who is cool is a person that they would never talk to other than the circumstance that they need keys. And like, yeah, let's chat with the janitor. And it's like, no, the janitor is the only person who could actually be an ally to you. But you'll never know. Um, I, I do think it makes sense that like it, you know, everyone is just a working class person who has their own shit going on that they refuse to deal with. Um, and there's a certain amount of bigotry that comes with that in a small town in Pennsylvania. That's Uh, a good point too, Ronnie, that like janitors in general are invisible. No one is more invisible than a high school janitor. mm -hmm. Yeah. High school kids do not have the wherewithal to to think to notice Mm -hmm. people like that yeah yeah it makes sense it 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 works with the show it didn't work for uh, a small part of ronnie's brain and that is not the show's fault i will i will blame other uh people for that uh but uh yeah all in all that was just one thing that for for me was was a was a swing and a miss but Anything else that did not work for us? As, as, as I, unsurprising. Yeah, I'm struggling to come up with anything, honestly. It's, yeah. it's a good fucking show. It's a good show. It's real good. I'm I'm like... Stan's, doing a, Stan's doing a freaking Rubik's, Rubik's Cube in detention. This show yes. takes yeah. place in no time whatsoever. Yeah. In no particular. It is unmoored from space and time. It is uh, really refreshing to have two back-to-back winners. Like, yeah, we, yeah, we do honestly. not go out of our way on ending pending to like, shit on bad shows like we're that's not our intention and i'm sure our, our our audience 
you know, wouldn't be here if they thought that we were like cinema sins, just like, this sucks. Right. Like we're looking for good shows that didn't get the time they deserved. And, uh, these, these past two have really, really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Every, I feel like everything I've watched lately has lesbians in it. Uh, Like we watched several things unrelated to ending pending that also had lesbian main characters. And we're like, wow, look at all the lesbians and stuff. Go lesbians. There is, there's an element of, I do believe that because women are sexualized, that it is easier to get lesbians on TV. Women are non-threatening to the concept of masculinity. And there's, there's, there is a male gazy titillating aspect to lesbians, even lesbians that aren't overly sexualized, just Hmm. straight men are going to watch it and make it gross in their heads. Even if the portrayal is completely great and through, you know, a queer lens or a woman, a female gaze lens. Um, so on the one hand, I am excited because any queer representation is great and important and good, but also like, man, it is noticeable that there are very few people with my body who mm-hmm. are queer in anything. And if they are, they don't have any sort of sexual agency, like spoilers for black sales fucking love black sales i love black sales very very much flint is a character who is remarkably important to me it also does not surprise me that he uh does not get any sort of like lasting happiness yeah he is physically separated from the man he's in love with for the entirety of the show and they have one kiss on screen yeah yeah lesbians are great um and i'm i'm very happy that they're getting uh, the content that they are getting. Get um, your moment, lesbians. Be uh, in stuff, lesbians. And, like, I am sure lesbians are also pointing out that, like, oh, well, the the reason why we are, like, in more stuff is also because we deal with the sexualization of our, our bodies and our relationships, and mm-hmm. that's not great mm-hmm. either. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I would like to see um, some other types of queers and stuff. For sure, for sure. Watch this show. You won't you won't regret it. It's worth your time. It's very short. The episodes are short. The, mm-hmm. the season is short, and it's good. It just blows right by. You can you could watch, you know, two, three, four, five. How many how many can you watch at a time, Evan? <laughs> Several at least you can watch. <laughs> how long ago was fucking Kings? Like 2006? We had no. gay Sebastian Stan in like oh, 2006. When it came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, still, he doesn't get to be happy in it. And I, I, I think he only gets one one dude on dude smooch. But, like, no wonder that show got canceled. Yeah. On NBC, nonetheless. Yeah. Weren't ready for it. No. Kings was great. Kings was very good. Maybe we should watch Kings again just to keep this good, good times watch rolling. Kings again. <laughs> we should do Kings part two, baby. Um, we're not doing Kings, uh, again, what we will do next week is watch episode six and seven and wrap this show up. Unfortunately, happy that we, you know, happy, happy that it happened. Not happy to see it go bye-byes, but here we are. Um, and, and we'll, we'll be able to finish this one up for you. Do you think that it got Um, canceled because those two kids had to go be in it? You think they, do you think they got better contracts and were I think, just like I think it was filmed before this. Yeah, I think I, I think what I read was that this show uh they were in pre-production and then COVID happened. Mm. And then it just kind of fell through the the cracks. Uh it's, it wasn't the it wasn't the Bridgerton that they they wanted it to be and so they didn't think it was going to be worth the the effort or at least that's what I have read. Um and also as we talked about with everything sucks and as I've talked about online uh, kid actors, because again, these are kid actors. Once you uh, take some time away from it, it's real, real hard to jump back in with some sincerity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then you're doing the uh, these 25 year olds are in high school thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, which would, again, would, would play into a lot of the tropes that they're, they're uh, meddling in. <laughs> they could pull um, it off. It would, it would be very meta, very meta of the show mm-hmm. to go there. Uh, but do it. Do it, Netflix. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. You can send us a Facebook message at PendingPod. Follow us on Instagram at EndingPending. Send us an email, PendingPod at gmail.com. And of course, you can be a part of our financially supportive family uh, yeah. by heading over to uh, the Where They May Radio Patreon. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash WTM radio. Uh, I just put up some fresh content today, both for uh, behind the paywall and some free stuff. So go over there and check it out because you don't even have to pay anything. and You can hear some good, good outtakes from way back when. Um, we have six whole patrons now. Five, six whole patrons. We have six whole patrons now. Since there's That's so few. twice and as I, many patrons as there are hosts of the podcast. Exactly. Hashtag profit. Uh, hashtag margins. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> thank you, Will. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Kim. Uh, y'all rule. Uh, I have reached out to some of you just to give you some idea of what's happening and some of you to give you a, a access to be able to affect the show. Um, so uh, keep, keep an eye on the Patreon, keep an eye on our Twitter accounts. We'll be sending stuff out. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, thank you. If you uh, are supporting us, thank you. If you ever plan to support us in the future, or if you have supported us in the past right now, that is everyone who is currently supporting us uh, and also people who have supported us on, on, on past networks. Um, it, it means the world. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and, you know, if you can't support us with your dollars, that's fine. Tell your friends, share the episodes, give us those good, good five stars on iTunes. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, we'll be happy. We'll, we'll get that good affirmation. Doesn't have to be a dollar amount. I like the dollars, but it doesn't have to be. And that's and that's it. Check out Force Friends Rewatch, another another friend on the Where They May Radio Podcast Network. Big, big interviews coming out there. And I've uh, heard and it's then, pretty good. We might have I've, another I've podcast soon. I'm not gonna, might have another podcast yeah. soon. Who knows what could be happening? Mm-hmm. Who knows what could be brewing in the woods? Uh, where they may radio. Um, thank you so much for everyone who is who is a part of the the ending pending Where They May Radio family. And, uh, and yeah, keep, keep up the good work, y'all. Andy, how do we, how do we end these things? Let's take a nap. Oh, that's Fuck a good Fuck Jeff idea. Bezos. Let the Amazon employees unionize. Yeah. Eat the rich. Yup. Where they may radio.